You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Let's pause a moment in prayer, and uh, we'll dive into our sermon today. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this day that you, that you have made, that we can rejoice in it. We ask, God, that you would be with us as we just recognize that you have called us in all of life uh, to worship you. And so, Lord, we ask that your spirit would um, open our hearts and be able to see with new eyes and transform us to be more like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, my daughter, who is uh, six years old, is starting to think about uh, what she wants to do with her life. Right? It's never too, too early, right? She started a couple of years uh, back telling uh, us that she wanted to move to Australia and join the Wiggles, uh, a dancing band who entertains kids. Then she changed her mind and said she wanted to be a teacher. I think the last time I talked with her about what she wanted to do when she grew up was to own a restaurant where she would close on the weekends and only invite family. What a great idea. Now, it is entertaining and fascinating to hear um, how a six-year-old answers the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? The answer to this question reveals a person's passion, interests, and might I even add, possibly a calling. Now, calling, or another way to say it is uh, vocation, may be too strong of a word to apply on a six-year-old, but I wonder how many of you can answer the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? as a way to identify what your calling in life is. Now, it seems that this question remains relevant no matter how old we get. Do you know what your calling in life is? Now, for many people, their calling in life has very little to do with their paid work, while others passionately live out their calling throughout their career. Now, this Labor Day weekend... I want us to talk about all of life as vocation, including our paid work, in light of God's calling over our lives and explore the topic of calling under these three headings. Number one, God's calling to repent and believe in the gospel. Secondly, we'll look at God's particular callings in the places of responsibilities. And then lastly, living out God's callings. Now, my prayer today is that each of us has a greater sense of God's calling over our lives so that we ultimately love God more and also love our neighbors more deeply. Now, the Puritans defined vocation or calling in two primary categories. The first is God's general calling, which is the call to, be, to become a Christian, And the second vocation category was particular callings, which are special tasks, their offices, their places of responsibilities in God's family and in our broader society, which include our paid jobs, volunteer work, and various ways of serving our neighbors. Now, most people, whether they are Christians or not, wrestle with the question of what is my calling 
in life, especially in the area of which career path to take or, or who they are to marry or which city that they should live in and these other major areas in our lives. We often get stuck in trying to make perfect decisions and, or we look back at unwise decisions that we've made. Before we talk about particular callings in our lives, we need to ask the big picture and more important and crucial questions of who is the caller and what should be the primary and overarching calling in my life. Now, the primary and the most important calling is the call to repent and believe in the gospel. What does it mean to be called by God? The primary call every man, woman, and child needs to respond to in obedience is Jesus' call to repent of our sin and believe in Him. Our sin has separated us from our Creator and infected every area of our lives, including all of God's good creation, causing death and decay. But God made a way for us to be restored and reunited with our Maker. We come to the humble place of of admitting that we can't fix ourselves and that there is no solution to the problem of sin apart from receiving forgiveness from Jesus. But why do we have to exclusively believe in Jesus? Why is Jesus the only way? Well, this is because Jesus lived as the only perfect man on earth. Since he was God in the flesh, not once committing sin, but lived in perfect obedience before a perfectly holy God. That's why his sacrifice is worthy and able to absolve our sin. We could never live up to God's holy standards. But Jesus being fully divine and fully human, not only lived a perfect life, but offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, dying on the cross for our sins and receiving the penalty and judgment for our sins. Then after three days being in the grave, Jesus victoriously resurrected from death. This is the beauty of the good news of Jesus Jesus takes our place on the cross for our sins, and we receive the accounting record of Jesus' perfect and sinless life, which makes it possible for us to be in relationship with the holy and perfect God, who is also merciful and loving. The perfect one who encompasses both almighty power and justice alongside sacrificial love that he is willing to die to give up his life for us, this beautiful God calls you today. Do you believe in Jesus? If the answer is no or or I don't know, I invite you to believe in Jesus today. Now, I would love to talk more about believing in Jesus if you are searching. Now, this is the most important question that you can answer in life, even more important than your vocational calling or other important questions in life. Jesus is calling to you. Will you answer him? Well, vocational calling starts with answering the question of who Jesus is and responding to his call to follow him in full obedience. 
does it really matter what you do in the particular callings in, in life if you are not following Jesus? Where you could have the most fulfilling and significant job, but without a relationship with Jesus, you are disconnected from the life-giving resources of God. You could be in the most fulfilling relationships in your marriage or friendships, but apart from Jesus, your sense of value and worth can be distorted. The call to follow Jesus is not an invitation to a partial commitment, but rather a complete and absolute allegiance to Jesus as Lord over every area of of our lives. This is a process for each of us which requires our daily dependence on God's power and our resolve to follow Jesus. God's primary call over our lives is a complete and total devotion to Jesus. Now listen to some of the hard sayings of Jesus in Matthew 10. Jesus says, And whoever does does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, Jesus says in Matthew 16, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The call of God through Jesus is a difficult calling to respond to. And humanly speaking, it is unnatural. Right? Why would anyone choose to follow Jesus if it means that I have to give up what seems to be my freedom to live however I want to and now come under absolute authority and complete obedience to Jesus? Yes, this difficult calling to follow Jesus is God's primary call to every man, woman, and child. Yet, this is the most beautiful life that you can live. Surrender to a God who loves you unto death and has a purpose for your life that is greater and deeper than what you could fashion with your own hands and with your own mind. Answering God's call means going on an adventure with Him, knowing that He is an all-knowing guide who may, yes, ask you at times to, to do hard things, but always for a greater purpose that will yield incredible fruit in your life and also in the lives of those around you. Jesus, he has traveled the path before you and he knows what you can and cannot handle. And when you are at your wit's end, he walks with you to stretch you and to grow you to, so that you can handle the things that on your own you could not And even when he asks you to give up your dreams and the idols in our lives to follow him, he gives us a new dream that is refined by fire and he shapes you to be more like him until your life is gradually more and more transformed to resemble the beauty of our Savior. God provides to us all that we need to respond to his call, giving us the gift of faith and abundant grace. God's primary call to us when we respond brings about a change in our inner being and in our lives. He gives us a new identity. God gives us his Holy Spirit who births in us a new heart with holy desires 
a new purpose and a new mission for all of life. He changes us from the inside out. God does it. God doesn't just call us out of hell, but now enlists each of us to be his kingdom ambassadors, to love others, and to share the good news of the gospel to our friends, our neighbors, and to the ends of the earth. And yet, God's primary call in our lives is to be his beloved child, to be loved by him, to be his follower, to be his disciple, which is a comprehensive call over every area of our lives. Jesus is not just Lord over my heart, but Jesus is my ultimate boss at my workplace. He is the leader of my family. Jesus is the third strand in all of our friendships. He is the master over my finances and all of my stuff. And Jesus' words are my ultimate authority, ruling over my inward thoughts and my outward actions. Jesus is calling you to follow him today. Every other calling which we think will, that, that we think will bring fulfillment and satisfaction finds meaning and significance when we first heed God's primary calling to repent and believe in the gospel. God's primary call to be saved, to be reconciled with God, and to actively participate in the mission of God is like the bright white light that is passed through a glass prism and splits into its spectrum of colors in the various particular callings in our lives. The call is the same, but our roles are different. Out of who we are in Christ, we should live out what we do day to day. How are you living out your particular callings in light of God's primary call? And this takes us to our second heading of God's particular callings in our lives. Now, when the Puritans referred to particular callings we all have, they were talking about God's direction of a person into a specific station in life, particularly in the family, uh, in the marketplace, in civic life, and in the church. Now, think about where God has placed you in this season of life in the places of responsibilities. You are a wife to a particular husband. You are a software engineer at a particular company. You are a student in a particular school. You are in a particular place in the family and in various relational locations with friends and others. God's greatest concern is not what particular career path you choose or your marital status or how you allocate your community service hours because there is lots of freedom God affords us in these areas of wisdom. However, God does care about our particular callings, so he calls us to be faithful in those callings as expressions of our love to God and love for our neighbors. A passage in the Bible which I think helps us with a framework for our particular callings is found in the first letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. Let me read this. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? 
Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of, this, of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord was a bondservant, is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now, what Paul seems to be saying as he is writing to mostly to a Gentile pagan audience who had converted to become Christians is that when God calls and saves you by his grace, you are divinely called into uh, situations where you can now influence others by living out the gospel in word and in deed. Jesus is saying if you responded to God's primary call to be his disciples, it does not necessarily mean that now you have to change your job, go to seminary to become a pastor or missionary to, to be really called by God. Paul is, is saying, stay in your current job and relationships and don't be quick to leave the places God has strategically and divinely placed you as his kingdom ambassadors. Verse 17 says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And in verse 24, he says, So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now, obviously, these verses are not an endorsement of anyone continuing in a sinful lifestyle, opposed to God's word, in an occupation which is illegal or harmful to others. Were you possibly working in organized crime or human trafficking when God called you and saved you, then you're called to repent and turn away from a sinful lifestyle to follow Jesus, which will mean changing jobs so that it's, it's legal and, and it serves the common good. As beloved children of God and disciples of the King, we find our value and worth in the new identity and new life that we have in Jesus and not in our social economic status or our marital status or prominence in our careers. Whether you are an employee just starting out or, or a manager or a business owner, we are all bondservants of Jesus. So Paul says, Consider how God might use your present situation in the places of responsibilities as an opportunity to love Jesus and to serve our neighbors. Are you faithfully and fruitfully stewarding your vocational calling in your workplace as a worship to God? Many people either minimize a calling of a particular job as just the means to put food on the table and a roof over their heads and don't see any value of their work beyond this basic provision. Or some believe the opposite extreme of, of placing undue burden of finding self-fulfillment and self-actualization through the work that they do. Instead of these two opposite perspectives, we want to remember today that God, who is the caller, 
helps us to reframe all of our work under His calling to be a channel through which we can serve Jesus and to love our neighbors. In other words, our vocations are not just about meeting our needs, whether physical or emotional or psychological. Yes, our jobs do provide for our food and shelter, and they do give us an outlet for our talents and abilities, but our vocations can actually be extensions of who God has made us to be to actually serve and meet the needs of others around us. Wherever God has placed you and in whatever you are doing, God's call on your life ought to reorient our whole focus and purpose of what we do in our work day to day. Now, ultimately, when God saves us and, and calls us in our particular callings, He wants to redeem every aspect of our lives to be brought into His service for His glory and for loving people around us. As you, re, as you may remember the life of Paul in the New Testament, before God called him by, by knocking him off his horse and, and revealing himself in a bright light. Paul, he was a well-educated Pharisee. He was fluent in many languages and, and afforded legal protections as a Roman citizen. But see, God, he doesn't just take away all of his intellect or strip him of his Roman citizenship when he saves him. But now, Paul, as a disciple of Jesus, Having responded to Jesus' primary call, all of Paul's physical, mental, and intellectual faculties are brought into the service of his new master and Lord Jesus. So far, we have seen that God initiates a call for us to become Christ followers, calling us away from sin, folly, and destruction, and leads us to put our trust in Jesus alone. And now with a new identity given by God through the work of Jesus, we, we saw that God calls us in various spheres of life and responsibilities to live out these particular callings faithfully. How are you living out God's callings in your present situation? This takes us to our last and final point. Where is the intersection of God's general call and our particular callings? How are we living out all of life as an integrated response to God's callings? Well, God in His grace has called you to be a redeemed child of God and divinely placed you in particular callings within your family, in your paid work, and in specific relationships that you are in. And we all have multiple callings in the places of responsibilities. And inevitably, there will be tension among our various God-given callings where, where we feel pushed and, and pulled in many directions. For example, I'm a child of God called by His grace. And I have the privilege of, of serving vocationally as an executive pastor here at Trinity, but I'm also an elder at Trinity. I'm also a, a husband to Christine and a father to three children. I'm a son to my aging parents and a, and a brother to two older sisters and to two brother-in-laws. I'm a friend to many, I hope, and a neighbor um, in the Arbor Heights community in West Seattle. 
So you can make your own list and identify areas of tension and imbalance when one calling takes more of our energy and time away from the other callings in life. So this requires wisdom in how we steward our God-given resources in being faithful to what God calls us in these various spheres of life. It also... Um, it also sounds fine and, and dandy to say that all of life should be under the authority and service of the king. But, practic- but practically, it can often be very, very difficult to live out. Especially when living out these various spheres of life, there's a pull and a push. So, How do we live out God's calling in these various spheres of life faithfully and fruitfully where we are not compartmentalizing our lives, where we try to segment parts of our lives in separate boxes and keep them apart even before God? Well, the first way to live out God's callings is by living with a sense of gratitude. Thank God for everything, and give thanks in all circumstances, the Bible says. Acknowledge that the life you now live is a gracious gift by a generous God. You know, the skills you have to do what you do may have been developed and honed through hard work, but acknowledge that you couldn't have developed your skills without the opportunities and resources which were provided to you So your abilities are also gifts given to you by our Father. The gifts of family and friends who nurtured and cared for you. The food and drink that we get to enjoy. The magnificence of God's creation in nature. The beauty of music and the art that nurtures our souls. They are all gracious gifts that we get to enjoy because God in His abundance has blessed us. Most of all, have you you meditated lately on the gift of God's Son? God, He withheld nothing from us when He sent His Son to die for us and to give us abundance and eternal life through the victory of His resurrection. John Calvin, he talked about being aware of God's benevolence in this way. For until men recognize that they owe everything to God, that they are nourished by his fatherly care, that he is, the author of ev- he is the author of their every good, that they should seek nothing beyond him, they will never yield him willing service. Nay, unless they establish their complete happiness in him, they will never give themselves truly and sincerely to him. Thank God for his daily provisions. Thank him for your job. If you're retired from paid work, thank him for the new opportunities to serve others. Thank God for co-workers and the company that you work for. Thank God for family and friends who love and care for you. And when we recognize and regularly thank God for his gifts generously and graciously given to us, this leads us to a renewed desire to love God and to serve our neighbors. You see, God, he is the giver of gifts. And when we acknowledge him as our fountain of good, then we are able to see that these gifts are to be devoted and stewarded back to him and for the benefit of others. 
Now this leads us to the second way to live out God's callings, which is to exercise your God-given gifts for the benefit and service of others. What what God-given gifts do you have to serve the common good for the benefit of the world and the people around you? Are you a gifted teacher, encourager, problem solver, administrator, or, or compassionate counselor? Do you have the gift of generosity or leadership? Maybe you are mechanically inclined, gifted in working with tools and able to fix things. See, these God-given gifts may all be used within the church to build up the body of Christ and outside of the church, in the marketplace, to serve clients and coworkers and neighbors in need. God-given gifts are beautifully diverse as some gifts are intellectual, artistic, musical, administrative, and even kinesthetic and mechanical. Often God will open up opportunities for us to exercise these gifts to people around you that you least expected. In closing, I want to share about a recent Christianity Today article I came across entitled, Instead of Becoming a Pastor, I Minister as a Plumber written by Nathaniel Marshall. Now, first of all, I just want to say that I have nothing against pastors. I have nothing against myself, right? I I love what I do, and the reality is that, but the reality is that most of you will not change mid-career to go to seminary and become a pastor or become a missionary. That we need more pastors, but we also need more people in the marketplace, in the places in which God has divinely called you to live out what it means to be a follower of Christ. Uh, So in this article, Nathaniel, he shares his journey of wanting to be a pastor, to go to seminary, but was redirected by his own pastor to get a job as a plumber. And now, 10 years after working as a plumber, he writes this. What I practice in manual labor then pulling the various parts of myself into an integrated whole, I apply to my times of prayer, showing up mind, body, soul, and strength to be with and offer praises to God. My hands participate in the work of bringing order to the world around me, and they thumb through theological works. My hands bring peace between homeowners and their homes, and they build the kingdom. My hands have learned to turn wrenches And they're learning to pray without ceasing. I've discovered that practicing being in God's presence and growing in the Christian life is something any of us can do in virtually any line of work, not just as pastors or church leaders. My plumbing vocation certainly isn't the life I expected, but it's turning out to be the life for which I prayed. Now God is calling all of us today to follow him. God is also calling each of us in our unique places of responsibilities to be a faithful presence, thankfully living for God's glory and actively exercising our gifts to serve our neighbors. God is calling us to worship Him through the very work that we do, glorifying Him and serving others through the gifts that we've been given. So this Labor Day weekend, my charge to you is to worship God for the calling 
to, in the calling to be his beloved child and to serve your king in all of the particular callings by loving people around you. Amen? Let us pray. God, we thank you that you call all of us to be your child. You call us by your grace. You call us by your spirit in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. What a gracious God you are. Lord, some of us, we need to respond to that call. For others, Lord, we want to recognize that all of these areas of responsibilities, you have divinely called us there in the places of our paid work, in the places within our family, in our neighborhoods, that you've called us, God, in those relationships so that we can love you and love the people right in front of us. Empower us by your spirit to do this for your glory and for our joy. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.